Why not? A queer podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams, and you're listening to Wine. Why not? A queer podcast. Episode 38. Yay. Yay. Boring 38. Aw. No, nah, I mean, but, I hope we're not boring. Uh, no, no, we're never boring. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when I was 38. What did I, what was I like? What did I do? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was six years ago. It was working here. Six years ago would have been 2017. I don't remember six hours ago. Oh, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> In fact, who are you? Huh? <laughs> what? Where am I? How did I get who here? Who am I? Why am I here? Do you remember that from the debates, the vice presidential debates? No. Ross Perot's um Oh my god. I just had a flashback to my childhood. Who I forget. I want to say name. Jack Kirby, but I don't think that I don't was remember it. his name. But. I feel like that's an old person name, but that's one of the found creators of some comic books. So um on SNL. Um oh my god, what's the name of the guy whose wife shot? Phil him? Hartman. Phil Hartman. His um he played this guy in and I think, um, I wanted to say Drew Carey, but it's not Drew Carey. Who plays Ross uh, Dane Car- Dana, Dana, Dana Carvey. Carvey. Played Ross Perot. <laughs> he drives him out. It's like that artificial intelligence movie style where he like drives him out to the woods <laughs> and tells him to get out of the car. He's like, who am I? Why am I here? And then he drives off and leaves him. <laughs> uh, simpler times. Simpler. That's coming back, isn't it? I heard Ross Perot? No. <laughs> He's... Remember, I hope not. Remember when he was the craziest thing in politics? Yeah. Oh, those are good days. Um, no, SNL. They're, they they <laughs> can got I finish. Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> they um they allowed the SNL actors back. Yes, that is true. They announced um, uh, Mr. Taylor Swift is going to be, I think, on one of them, and Bad Bunny is hosting the other one. Oh. No, I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Mr. Taylor Swift will pop up. And I hear that Kansas City Chief fans and football fans in general are super happy that she has been getting all the attention of the NFL. Are I mean, are we sure that that she's that that she's there to make sure they win? Because hey. I've heard she's there to make sure they lose. Ah, uh, because don't feed she's it, don't feed into those conspiracy <laughs> theories. I have heard that she's trying because she's a, apparently originally from Philadelphia. Right, so and she's they trying have a to rivalry help the Eagles. with Kansas City, so she's trying to help the Eagles by breaking this guy's heart right before they make it to the Super Bowl. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I don't buy into it. I mean, he's charming, he's cute. They're a cute little couple. I, I, I get rid of the stash though. I, that 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 nineteen seventies porn stash he wears. I'm not a fan. There's a lot of mustaches going around on people that don't need them. No, no, I don't know who brought the stashes back, but they need to be stashed away. Yeah, I know movies are really your thing and not so much television, um, but I'm a huge Big Brother fan and I watch it and there's this- I, like uh, telev- I don't like reality television. Yeah. I'll throw yeah. that in quotes because I don't know how I, real that yeah, is. Yeah, there's no such thing as reality <laughs> TV. Uh, it's it's whatever the producers want you to think TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there's this uh, there's this couple in the game. They're, they weren't a couple going into the game, but they are now. Oh. It's America and Corey. And they, of course, as all- showmances get they've they've deemed them americory oh like just one name except some people call them cormerica and i find that to be obnoxious it's not pretty on the ears anyway <laughs> it's america is beautiful she's this beautiful girl 
I agree, and that's why I served her. It's, I think they made a song about her way before she was even born, America the Beautiful. <laughs> and so then there's Corey, who is like, you know, not your stereotypical um, leading man next to someone like America. Mm-hmm. He is, he's shorter. He kind of you is know, he the Canada to this America? <laughs> I just he's got very light, fair skin that sometimes appears to be somewhat pink. So when I say this, I'm not talking about his nose or any, you know, lame like body shape that he has. I'm just saying I picture him if there was a staged version of the Three Little Pigs. I feel like he would be one of them. Now he's <laughs> a, he's a skinny guy. Okay, what's his just, name? Because I've got America Corey. pulled up here. We're gonna pull Corey. up Corey in America. I mean, I could pull it up on the big screen, and then everybody that's in the room can can be like, "Oh, I could see that." But his skin is just fair, and it's it's light, and it's kind oh. of pinkish. He's a good look. I mean, he's a cute he's a cute guy. He's like the youngest one on the. He's the about twenty two years late. He could have totally been cast as one of the hobbits in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he missed a shot. Um, he's very good at the game. But anyway, America wants Corey to be a certain way. Yeah. So she is making him grow out his mustache, and it's just uh, it doesn't he doesn't need facial hair. Yeah. I'm I'm I don't mind. Obviously, I have a full grown beard. Um, but if you're gonna go facial hair, go all the way. Go full beard or nothing at all. And if you can't, then go nothing at all. Yeah. Accept it. So so on the sides, like between like where your pork chops would be and your goatee would be, that area there mm-hmm. doesn't grow on me. So guess what? I don't grow anything. That's very common. That area right in there, a lot of guys can't grow hair, and there are so many, and I don't know if it's maybe because it's younger guys who still have that baby face. They try to grow their beard. I'll throw that up in air quotes. And uh, they look terrible. And nobody tells them they look terrible. I am telling you now, you'll look terrible. Shave that off until you can grow a real man's beard. So I want to <laughs> point this out. Um, this is... We'll and I don't it. know why I got all Wilford Brimley sound in there. <laughs> Good Lord. I didn't hear diabetes. <laughs> I can hear it right now in my body. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming in my bloodstream. Um, now, uh, so I, I could tell you this. My my brother's 50th birthday party uh, oh, yeah. was this past this week. week. Yeah, Friday was his was his birthday. And I have, uh, I have a brother that lives in upstate New York and I have a brother that lives in Houston, Texas. And they both came in to surprise him. All three of them, all three, have varying lengths of a goatee beard. <laughs> varying lengths, like like uh, short. Like, well, one's like sort of the, the size of yours, a little bit longer than yours. Mm-hmm. And then there's the medium. Yeah. And then there's the long. Ah. I like to. And to then refer there's to it as me. <laughs> normal. And then uh, if anybody who watched, if you watch wrestling, the Jim Anvil Nightheart, it's about. You know, just below your neck, and then you have the ZZ top, just goes down to your belly button. Yeah. So the yeah, my my brother who has the shorter one, it was his 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 birthday. He at one point had one that was so long, when he played softball and he ran the bases, it would fly over his shoulder. I <laughs> good for him. I mean, he liked it. It's all now. Good. This is a like, I just the long don't. hair and the beard on on Jason. That's a new thing since COVID, right? Yeah, it used to be very short hair, clean cut. That screams work from home. Yeah, yeah. He looks like like one of those nineteen seventies or nineteen eighties films where he went out to the woods or the mountains to find himself, and this is him coming back. He looks like 
Sam Elliott would have called him and said, hey, I got to go beat some ass at this roadhouse. Do you want to come join me? And he would come and beat some ass at the roadhouse. He looks like a military helicopter landed at his cabin in the mountains and he's chopping wood. And they're like, Jason, we need you back. And he goes, I gave up that life a long time ago. We think someone's going to shoot the president. We need you to tell us how. Uh, anyway, he's got a beard. That's what we're it's, saying. It's much shorter now. Yeah. He's, he's, he's fine. <laughs> he's good. I, I don't think he listens to this podcast. So I don't think he'll, he'll beat me up for saying that. <laughs> the other ones, though, and they live far away, so it doesn't matter. Um, but I was telling you that I think we gained a listener, yeah. um, his daughter, Savannah. Um, oh, nice. When we were at the party, she somehow found out we did this podcast, and she's like, I didn't know that. I, I would be listening this whole time. So, Savannah, if you're listening, welcome. Welcome to the family. Yeah. And if you're listening, tell uh, tell your dad to listen to this no. particular episode. No. <laughs> yeah, you tell him Jeremy started laughing first. <laughs> I like it. I like a beard on a man. Yeah. I got to tell you, though, my brother who turned 50 is probably, I mean, I don't know. He's got to be in my top five favorite people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really good. We went to Drive Shack. Have you ever been there? I am unfamiliar. Are you no. familiar with Drive Shack? It's a Top Golf kind of place. Oh, I do know Top Golf. Okay, where, yeah. Where there's like three or four. I think this is three stories of like these different bays, and you, it's just a driving range. But they have games you can play. So the, I mean, there were a ton of us there. So half of the people were playing some kind of monsters. <laughs> they just they don't know how to play, so they just hit the ball, and then they look at the screen and it tells them that they killed a monster, and they're like, oh. "Hey, we killed a monster." <laughs> I'm just glad nobody fell over. We we're on the third floor. There is a net there to catch you, I think, if you fall. I was just going to say there's no wall or railing, but I guess if you're driving yeah. golf balls into the, you got to have it open, opened up. And they serve alcohol? Yeah. You know that their insurance has to be through the roof. I mean, if you've got that situation, you're like, here's, here's your business plan. I want a four, three or four story building. <laughs> I want them to get drunk and then stand on the edge and hit balls. That can't be right. Like, insurance. tell me that some like that somebody's not going to get drunk. If you're drunk and you're shooting at a driving range, you're going to do the Happy Gilmore. Oh yeah, you're going to. Mm-hmm. And so you can tell me that somebody didn't go running and swing and miss and fall off the. I'm not a sports kind of guy, but getting drunk and doing the Happy Gilmore off the third story of a golf place sounds really entertaining. <laughs> I would be totally nice to watch. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it, but unless there was a pool down there. So anyway, um, the, but the game we were playing was, um, well, oh god, um, it was a blackjack kind of game. I'm trying to think of what they called it because when you got to 21, they didn't call it blackjack. I think they called it shack jack or something. And I was like, my god. That sounds, that, that sounds really dirty. That sounds like something you, you get in high school around the, around the, say, around the corner of the building. I don't play golf, but I have played Shack Jack a few times. Uh, did you win? Every time. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, so what this is is like the the on the screen – they have like all these cards laid out and then you you get a card and then you try to get to 21 and try to beat the dealer so say that you want to like if you drew a 7 and you're trying to get to 17 then you look for a card that's worth 10 and you try to hit the golf ball onto the field where that card would be and then you get those points no oh, okay it was really fun that sounds fun i'd love to go back it was it was a really good time well maybe uh, maybe that will be a uh, a future team building thing for watermark we'll go hit some balls <laughs> 
Shack jacket. I, just, I don't know why. As soon as you said it would be a team building thing for us, and I thought, gee, I hope nobody falls off the third floor. And then I started laughing. <laughs> so is it only on the third floor? No, no. So no. maybe hey, we start on the, the bottom floor. That might be a really good idea for a retreat. Yeah. That could be fun. No, break that down. Break that down. There you go. Well, um, I mean, we'll give. So- we'll come back to. <laughs> I have other things that I did this week, so come back to me. What did you do this yeah. week? Um, I mean, I'll go real quick because I didn't do a whole lot this week. Um, one thing uh, that I did this week that was exciting was something I actually did with you, the Doctor Phillips Center. Sorry, that uh, that wine went down weird. Um, the Dr. Phillips Center had their uh, residency festival. So this is a new festival, the first year they've done it, and they're looking to do it every year. This is their first year? Yeah, this is the inaugural Jesus, year. Jesus, they went big. Oh, yeah, yeah. And hopefully it just gets bigger. So it was six nights, and what they do is they invite um, like a critically acclaimed world-known orchestra in. And this year they did London's Royal Phil- Philharmonic Orchestra. No? <laughs> London's? It was the Birmingham Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. No, it was the Birmingham Royal Ballet that played. (laughs) They weren't both from Birmingham? No, it was very British. It was a very British evening that you and I spent together. Oh, I think it's important to tell people that we're not not dumb. Birmingham is in Alabama, but we're talking about Birmingham, England. Yes, yes. Uh, For those who are dumb. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) For those who don't know, because a lot of people don't know uh, cities outside of London in England, um, there's a Birmingham in England um, that is not the one in Alabama. Um, although I feel like I had had a couple of wa- couple of glasses of wine when we were there, and I made a funny Alabama joke. I think <laughs> you I did. Don't I don't remember it. what it was either. But I remember we laughed, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> that is a good joke." <laughs> and everyone around around us was very happy that yes. we were joking and laughing. They everyone loved us. They said more, yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Um, it kicked off on uh, last Tuesday, and we went and uh, saw the Birmingham Royal Ballet, and they were playing with the orchestra. <laughs> Which I'm gonna st- I'm sticking to this. I don't need to know the answer for real, but I'm sticking to Birmingham Royal. Yes, because I feel like they said it a couple of times. Birmingham Royal Ballet and the Royal Philharmonic Philharmonic Orchestra. I'm looking oh, on the okay. Website right now, yeah. Conducted by Paul Murphy. Good Paul. Presents an evening of music and dance. That's the whole title. (laughs) (laughs) um, It was in Steinman's Hall. Steinmetz. Steinmetz Hall. Metz. 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 Like the the baseball team. Steinmetz. Steinmetz. Yeah. All right. Steinmetz Hall. Hmm. I wouldn't compare them to the Mets, though. I may not know baseball. So uh, we Jeremy's <laughs> like, I know you're in a bad mood, prank, but don't make jokes about me on air. Um, but no, it was uh, it was a really good show, and uh, there were some hot ballerinos. I don't know what you call a male ballerina. Is it a? Ballerina? Do you know a lot about orchestras? I know. Own okay. Last year, uh, one of the big movies, like in award season, was Tar, which is about uh, the conductor of an orchestra, not a real person. I saw the movie, thought it was a real person, found out it's not. Not to be confused with Ishtar, which was never part of an no, award show. No, terrible movie. Um, but that the extent of my knowledge is Tar and like other movies I've seen about like uh, the music uh, orchestra industry. There's a couple of movies out there. Um, but I don't know extensively. I do know that for some reason 
the main violinist is super important. And right. That's everyone what, that, admires him. That was going to be my question <laughs> because, like, I mean, I know that the they call it first chair, right? Yeah. So he's the violinist first chair or first chair violinist. I don't know the lingo. He gets up and he plays like a C, I assume. And then every other instrument plays that to match his note so that they are all starting from the same baseline right and then he sits down and then the conductor comes out and he stops at the first chair violinist shakes, shakes his hand, hand and then goes the second in command he does did he shake the second yeah command? yeah he, okay. sucked, he shook the hand of the main guy then his second in commander i'm gonna call him the speaker of the house of the orchestra the president came out shook the hand of the speaker of the house and so the other one was matt gates and the other one was matt gates who stabbed the first chair in the back I imagine I would like to see like a Christopher Guest style um, mockumentary. Oh my god, about I would love that. The inner workings of first chair versus second chair. It would be like Black Swan or something. I imagine. Yes. But my question about it all is, why the violin? Like not not the pianist, not not like the percussionist, not not like a I cellist. I don't know the answer, but I can guess because there were more violins on that <laughs> stage than any other instrument, and I was mesmerized. When they would play and their bows would just in unison go up and down at the same time, I was mesmerized by that. Did you ever catch yourself at one point like seeing their bows moving but not really hearing any violins at all? I didn't. But again, I was about two drinks in and I was I was I must just, have been four. I was focusing on those bows and I was like, look at them go. <laughs> they're all moving in unison, which makes sense because they're all playing the same damn song. Um but yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. Um, what I really liked is it opened with two male ballerinos dress. It's that's uh, that's the actual the actual phrase I'm being told. Um, two ballerinos. She may not know. She has Google. We all have Google. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I like did how you, we did you Google it and thumbs up, or are you just thumbs up me? Oh, okay. <laughs> I like how Caitlin's been with us for about three weeks now. Yes. And Jeremy has just signed off all. We don't know facts, Jeremy and I, but Caitlin has all the information. So whatever Caitlin says goes. It's She's true. not strapped to a microphone. She's got time. <laughs> but anyway, they come out in dresses and um, they, they performed um, this really beautiful piece. These two very beautiful men, just muscles everywhere. Um, and they performed this really beautiful piece wearing dresses. And I just thought that was a really awesome way to start the show. Considering that we're in Florida, and that might be deemed as illegal by some people. Yeah, I wonder if that's all designed. Were these shows designed for this? Yes. In fact, um, we did, uh, with Watermark, we did an interview, um, uh, or speaking with, uh, did a story on the re uh, residency festival. And the um, each of the shows within this were specifically designed for this particular festival. Well, I just got to say... I am dumbfounded that this is their first year because it was just so incredibly well curated. Yeah. And and I just I'll talk about this in a few minutes, but there's just some moments where I thought to myself, this moment would never be this good anywhere outside of this theater at this moment right now. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. It, yeah. Um, and so the festival, it started with that and then it continued on. They had some big names in town. Excuse me. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. 
Um, I was verklempt thinking of the star power that was there. Um, no, they had uh, Diana Ross, they had Harry Connick Jr., and they had Beck. And uh, that was uh, who they had there for the middle of the week. Uh, all great concerts, I assume. I didn't go to any of them because I didn't get any tickets. But um, at the end of the week, they had a really good um, like Broadway celebration with uh, a couple of Broadway legends that you went and saw. Yes, 100%. It was called Broadway Royalty. So, and indeed they are. You know, I got to tell you this. Like, here's why I wanted to go so bad. Yes. Brian Stokes Mitchell. I wanted to go so bad to to hear him live. Cuz I'm like there's a couple of songs that he sings and I'm like I got to hear this live in my lifetime blah blah blah. And then I was like Sutton Foster? Really? Broadway Royalty? So and I go to the show and she comes out and is performing and it was insane. It was so beautiful and crazy. And there's just this one moment where like there's, Oh, by the way, our seats were so good. I saw your check-in photo <laughs> oh my God. and you were like basically on stage. We I was like, like, Holy shit. Yeah. It was like the fifth, the fifth or sixth row, but it was like, and we were right on the aisle too. And it's perfect. Like right. Just, just off of the center. And like uh, Jen loves aisle seats. So she was super happy about that. And no obstruction for her whatsoever. And it was just, it was so elegant. You know, something about Sutton Foster is that she's just so relatable. She just, you know, she's this incredibly great singer. She's won a couple of Tonys. She won a Tony for Little Women, and she won for, um, the in 2022, I think, for the revival of The Music Man. And she was in Thoroughly Modern Millie back in, like, 2002. Something like that. I got to see her in that back then. No, oh, very nice. But the, you know, it's just really great. But there's a song she's singing. This this purple light's coming off of her shoulder, and there's kind of this haze on the stage in this royal, non Birmingham <laughs> Philharmonic Orchestra. And you know, one thing I, we said about the previous show we saw together is that we had we wish it was louder. Yeah. Um, and this maybe it's because I was up there, but also because probably because they were mic'd because they were singing. But it was loud and like in a really good way. And it was just so in- intense, like this beautiful song that she was singing in this moment in that theater, the way the sound was just bouncing around. It was so incredible. When she was done with her set, because she came out, they did a duet together, which we kind of looked at each other and were like, did they rehearse this? <laughs> Sometimes that happens. You know, you get famous people that aren't around each other, and then they come together. They probably sang it together for the first time that day yeah. for a sound check or something. And But then he, he went off stage, and she did her set, and it was so insanely good. Um, it was unbelievable that we forgot we were really there to see Brian Stokes Mitchell. So he comes out and he's like, he's like, wow, that was really good. And then he said how nervous he was to perform because that was so good. And I was like, yeah, that really was good. And then like two songs into it, he sang Man of La Mancha. And like we were like, Sutton who? <laughs> like, no, but she was super, she's super good. One thing he mentioned this, that she was, she's just so much joy yeah. and she's so relatable. There's a song that she did. I guess she told the story about how she started, she took up, uh, or she's very crafty. She has an, an biography, an autobiography out that is built around crafts and the, and the different kinds of crafts that she's done at different points in her life that tell this whole story of her life so like cross stitching and crocheting and all this kind of stuff so she brings out she sings this whole medley of songs that remind her of her mom while she brought out and she was crocheting and so she asked this guy in the front row 
she talked to him. She says, what's your favorite color? And he's like, purple. And she's like, good, I have purple. Mine too. So she pulls out purple, and his name was Gabriel. And she says, well, you know what his name is? He said his name was Gabriel, and she said, blow, Gabriel, blow. And the audience kind of was like, hmm, what? It's a song. <laughs> oh. Um, but it was just was interesting. So then um, she just looked at him, and she said, you will forever be a part of my life now. Because she took that purple thing and, and cross-stitched not cross stitch, crocheted it into this huge blanket that she had that she does when she goes out and does shows. I thought it was oh. really kind of cool. I thought she was going to stitch something and give it to him. So he got nothing? <laughs> <laughs> A memory. If I've learned anything in my life in the last couple of years, memories do not last because you never remember. Um, well, I think he'll remember that. Well, unless he has something terrible. Like Maybe dementia. I have something like dementia because I don't remember nothing. Who are you? Hmm? So then, where am I, Brian? <laughs> who am I? Why am I here? I ask why am I here all the time, but I I know who I am. Um, so Brian Stokes Mitchell comes out. He's singing. The, he's just incredible. He he kind of had this whole message around him, which was all about ha- bringing happiness and joy. And he mentioned now we we are very involved in a news organization. We are. We are very involved in and one. We're employed by one. Yes, <laughs> and. <laughs> So he said what brings him so much joy in life is that he stopped watching the news. And I was like, okay. Now, I don't, I I get that. You know what brings me joy? I stopped listening to Brian Stokes. (laughs) (laughs) But but read, read a newspaper every now and then. Yeah. But watching the news, I can get that. Like sometimes I stop, I'll go two weeks and say, I can't watch anything on TV, any news on TV. Sometimes it's so doomsday. Yeah, it's so doomsday. But you got to stay informed. But his whole thing, too, was why he loved performing so much is that that art connects people in a way that nothing else does. So he said in this in this space right now, there are people of different political parties, of different different religious backgrounds, different people. all. <laughs> I didn't want to spill. God, I was, so I'm going to describe to you what I just saw because we are videotaping oh, this one. Thank God, thank God. <laughs> Jeremy was pouring wine into the and like a drip came down the side of the bottle, so he like lapped licked, it up, lapped up the whole thing. <laughs> it was unexpected. Um, it usually means that's the second or that's a third glass. Yeah, I haven't started it yet though. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> No judgment. All right. This isn't. <laughs> Listen, this is what you pay me to do. <laughs> this is wine. Why not join me at, at, at a meeting kind of a thing? Um, oh, did I not? <laughs> I don't think I don't think I turned off. And that's off, our time. <laughs> I don't think I turned off all my bells and whistles. Uh, anyway, um, so he was saying how all these different people come around and they leave all of that at the door and they come in for this moment to hear this thing or to see something or see a piece of art and. He said that people can walk into a theater one way and leave a different way, and that's the power of art. And Except I loved John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> well, he walked out a different man, for sure. That is true. That is true. But he didn't a leave man, his shit at the door. He, he walked out a man with a limp. <laughs> that he did. That he did. Um, oh, he, yeah. He did not leave his political <laughs> no, police at the door. Not. That's for sure. Um, so anyway, there's this moment I want to talk about in this and and there's a a song that he sings from man of la mancha it's called the quest but most people call it um the impossible dream but it's actually called the quest i've heard that song and and he he even points out that he doesn't like to call it the impossible dream because he thinks it's like you're trying to strive for something you can never get and that's not what it's about it's about the quest 
to attain something or to conquer something that seems impossible. And he, I mean, he was just so uplifting and incredible. And then he sang the song. Oh my God, just chills all over thinking about it. So at the end of the song, I, I, I want to I wanna get it right. So let me see. <laughs> you know, I forget things. It's, it says, um, to reach, then, it's, then the unreachable, and there's a pause, and it says star. And this orchestra is playing loud, and he's, he's like belting out um, to reach, and it stops. And he wasn't singing, and the orchestra wasn't playing, but you just heard it echo. And I, I mean, I don't think echo is the right word, but it was reverberation. Yeah, it was. It just consumed you, and it was was just bouncing off of everything. And it was the most intense, incredible sound that. And then it stopped, and he sang the next line, and then it did it again. And then when he sang "Star" at the end, it was. I mean, we just everybody in that theater was just dumbfounded and like, holy shit, that was the most incredible thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I cannot imagine not having seen that or been part of that. So thank you to the Dr. Phillips Performing Arts yeah, Center absolutely. For, for creating that moment, uh, for allowing me in to see it. It has to be the best show I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I have never seen The Man of La Mancha, but I have read Don Quixote. Um, so I'm sure I would enjoy that musical. I should check it out. Is there a movie version? I think that there is. I should check that out. I don't know if you want to do that. Why? Is it well, bad? I don't know. Like, like if... If there is a movie version of it, it's a very old movie version of it. I like old. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I w- I spent a good portion of this weekend watching The Twilight Zone, so I enjoy old stuff. Uh- <laughs> oh my god! It. I don't know if you're a big fan of The Twilight Zone, but it's on Paramount Plus, and I watched uh, quite a few episodes this weekend uh, while I was cleaning up my house, and uh, that show holds up. It's like the Black Mirror of its time. It oh was, yeah. It was. There were some episodes that like really shook me to my core and scared me. I was like, how was this on TV in the 1960s? (laughs) Um, There's this one where this old lady is getting phone calls from like this evil dead voice. And it turns out that um, she's in a wheelchair and uh, a fallen phone line fell on the gravesite of some guy and she was getting calls from him. So um, she, they call the phone company and they're like, yeah, it's, you're not getting phone calls, ma'am. It's from a dead line. So she makes her caretaker. Literally, it's from yeah. a deadline. So she makes her ter- caretaker take her out to the funeral home or to the the gravesite, the cemetery, and the the line has fallen on the gravesite of her former fiance. So she's in a wheelchair because she insisted on driving this one night and got in a crack accident, killed him, ended up in a wheelchair, and it was him calling her. And it just freaked the hell out of me. And I was like, how did this air on TV in the 1960s? It was, scared the hell out of me. What was he saying? Thanks for the ride, was, lady. He was like, I'm coming to see you, but in like a very gruesome voice. Well, yeah, I mean, it hasn't probably hadn't used it in a long time. Yeah. And, you know, there's yeah, not a lot dirt, of oxygen yeah. in those dirt everything. coffins. But um, but she he apparently was in love with her and did whatever she told her. So uh, before they went to the gravesite, she picked up the phone and she yelled at him, don't ever call me again and hung up. And uh, so when she realized it was her fiance, she picked up the phone. She's like, please talk to me. And he, he was like. You told me never to talk to you again. And then went away and she's like all sad and depressed. And then uh, the guy comes out and he's like, this is the Twilight Zone. I was like, you can't end it like that. That's so sad. Anyway, <laughs> Twilight Zone. Check it out. It's on yeah. Paramount Plus. <laughs> all right. The old the old version. The old the version. One. Well, the new version, there's a couple episodes that are pretty good with Jordan Peele. Hmm. Um, but the old version. Holds up. Check it out. 
So one of our assignments for this week was to watch a movie, and it reminded me of it when you said that the line landed on the grave, and it was an old lover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we did watch. We did watch a show where an old lover comes from beyond the grave. Yes. Um, I don't know if so willingly, but anyway. Um, so when we when we pick a show to talk about, what we try to find are shows that have queer characters. Yes. Um, in it, uh, like the, either the actors are queer or the characters they're playing are queer. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna try really hard to justify this one but there's a couple of reasons why this one worked yeah um, both of the movies that we're, we're going to talk about um are um i think that there there are definite ties to the queer community there, there are definite ties to yes. it um this one i don't know it's not so it's not so like i guess though you could say like you could talk about bet midler because she got her start in bathhouses and it doesn't matter whatever else is in the also movie. sarah jessica parker who's on sex in the city which i think most gays watched um, Kathy who who is married to a guy who was in Torch Song Trilogy. Yeah. Um, All right, there you go. It's directed by somebody. There's a there's a gay person. Experimented in college? I don't there, know. There's a gay person that's one of the main characters. Do you know who it is? In the first or the second one? In the, we're just talking about the second oh, one. Oh, okay. Right? Um, hmm. Is there? Well, you think about that. When we get to him. Yeah. Oh, I just told him. When we get to him, I'll tell you who it is. Okay. Um. So so we decided to watch Hocus Pocus 2 to yes. talk about it because we're, oh, we're going to- Ginger Minch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but not the one I was talking about. Bigger role. Oh. Anyway, so we're, we're talking about Hocus Pocus 2, which uh, came out last year. Um, right, and so uh, I want to tell my history with Hocus Pocus. Oh right? yeah, because while this is a uh, a cult classic amongst many gay and or straight, bi and or lesbian, trans and or non-binary, you amongst all of us didn't watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I managed to escape. There's a couple of movies that I haven't watched yeah. that most people in this world have. Um, Hocus Pocus yeah. and Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. And I, I, oh, and Mean Girls. Those are three that I hadn't watched. And I had zero desire to watch them. But people kept telling me how great they were and how great they were. So I said, fine. I watched Mean Girls. Uh-huh. What'd you think? All right. It was good. Hmm. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. I just don't, that character of like the rich, snotty uh, high school girl that's mean to everybody, not a fan. So yeah. anything. Well, I don't think you're supposed to be a fan of her. You're not supposed to root for her. Well, Although I did. I like, love Rachel McAdams, so I rooted for her to win. It's like the Coven on um, uh, American Horror Story: The Coven. Yes, that girl that was in Scream Queens. That was in that Emma Roberts. Not a fan. Yeah. I mean, I she's probably a lovely person, but that character she mm. plays. Mm. Well, not, I mean, oh, she's not a lovely recently person. Recently, we have found that she is not a lovely person. But you know what? We're not going to get into that. Oh, right. We were actually going to. We were going to talk about. We we're going to talk about the new season of American Horror Story. But first, all that came out about Ryan Murphy and and um, Emma Roberts. But also, apparently, Ryan Murphy allegedly—I don't know the details of this—was doing a little bit of scabbing behind the scenes, telling people when the the um, uh, the pickets. What did they do? Strike when the strikes were going on. <laughs> Uh, was telling people, don't you dare strike. We're getting this damn show off the off the off its feet. Now that's all alleged. There were people posting about it and said, if you are actively watching and encouraging people to watch the new season of American Horror Story, then you're a scab. 
and look, we didn't want to dish. We didn't want to wade into those waters, so we decided yeah. not to to, to look at. Look that. at all the things we're covering in this episode: scabbing, shack jerking. We're just really. Mm. Speaking of what I did last weekend, yeah. so <laughs> so um so I never I never watch it, but because the Mean Girls was okay, yeah, I was like, you know what? Then I'll try Hocus Pocus because everybody's dip my like, toe in the Hocus Pocus. Everybody's water. like, Hocus Pocus is so good, you're gonna love it. Uh, I watch Hocus Pocus, the first one, the first one. And your thoughts? My thought is, I hate everyone who told me to watch it. <laughs> you, Do you know, know what? I know? What 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 grates on what what grates on my? Is it the children? Tire being no. Oh, amak 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 amak. <laughs> That's one of the catchphrases. And then phrases. like people laugh when she does that. I'm like what? Now yeah. maybe when you were four, that was cute. Like oh look at the witches and the me 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 me. Well, I mean it was designed for children, but and I think a lot was of it it? Is, it back if then it was why does so many people I know were not children when this came out? Oh really? Oh I, I am maybe older. It's the cheesy like the the cheesiness of it. It's a very hokey cheesy. Well, it's movie. Bette Midler and, yeah. and and everybody loves Bette Midler and everything that she does. So I get that and I love Bette Midler, now, even though I'm movie, mad at her. But it's okay. This, you're mad at her about because what? I, because. It was Miss Saigon's year to win a Tony, Uh-oh. and she had to bring back Hello Dolly the same Uh-oh. year, and Hello Dolly wins. Miss Saigon got screwed out of their first Tony because of Will Rogers' Follies. Mm. Ever hear of that musical since then? I nope. don't even know who Will Rogers is. Thank you. So then, so Miss Saigon loses then, and then loses yeah. to Hello Dolly. Now, I got to say, I, I enjoy Miss Saigon. It's one of my favorite musicals. It's really good. I know songs and everything from it. Would you like to go watch it with me and Dave? No. <laughs> Bette Midler deserved that Oscar. I mean, that, um, <laughs> Bette Midler deserved that Tony. Bette Midler deserves to be an EGOT, and I will push for her to be one. She and does. And I believe all she needs now is the Oscar. She deserved that Tony any year but that year. I uh, understand. I uh, understand. I would, she would be a legit EGOTer. Yeah, she would. I know that you have issues with uh, current EGOTers, yeah. um, but she would be, yeah, because she would fit, she would meet all your criteria. Yeah. Also, she's fucking amazing. Number one, be Bette Midler. She's my first criteria met. She's my first diva. As a as a gay, you 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 have take you ever on seen divas. her live? Yes, I saw her did with you. you. Oh, yeah, you were there. That yeah. was awesome. She actually did the song from Hocus Pocus, and I'm pretty sure I squealed like a little girl. Yeah, and yeah. I'm pretty sure I went to the bathroom at I'm that moment. I'm pretty sure you got up and left. And I said, got anybody, popcorn. Does anybody want popcorn? <laughs> But it okay. was a great show. So She's I amazing. I don't. I don't really care for. I didn't really care for that. Yeah. Um, and then Hocus Pocus two comes out. Yeah. And people are like, "Oh, you should watch it." And I thought, you know what? Because twenty nine years later, because it's modern, maybe it'll be different. So I watched it up until the point that they made. They found their way to like they. Oh, you didn't even finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Where they come back to the little. To where they come back to the book. Yeah. That one. Like, that's like in the first 20, 25 minutes of it. Yeah. It's in the first half. Yeah. yeah I, I turned it off. I went to bed. Um, but, but that, no, that was when it first came out. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. I thought you meant this no. time. You're like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeremy, take it away. Yeah. Now, um, so, I, um, I went back and watched it last night. Uh, and I'm just going to say, I didn't hate it. Yeah. I, um, Here's my issue with the movie. Now, I am one of those people. I was like, I don't know, 13, 14 when the movie first came out. 
Um, so I watched it and I was like, oh, it's a, it's a cute movie. Um, back when it came out, commercial and critical bomb. It made no money at the box office. It got horrible reviews. Um, nobody liked the movie. The movie, like most cult classics, <clears throat> um, took off for two reasons. First, uh, when it came on VHS or when it came out, was released on video, parents bought it and put it on during the holidays and put their kids right in front of it. Their first issue was this movie was released in J uh, July of 1993. It's like it's a Halloween movie. Release it at Halloween, Disney. What the hell is wrong with you? That you you missed a bunch of money. Are you talking about the second one? The first one. Okay. So um, that movie was a bomb. It got like this cult following first because it you know uh, a lot of movies on on on, on video get uh, like this new life, but also as kids got older, there's this nostalgia about everything from the '80s and '90s that people love now, and people just really love this movie. So because of that, they announced they were going to release a sequel 29 years later on Disney Plus last year. And that's how we got this movie. This movie, at least to me, is not as good as the first one. <clears throat> the this first... movie is a thousand times better than now, the first here, one. <laughs> and here's why. They're both cheesy. They're both over the top. In the first one, the stupid shift that makes me laugh felt organic. Like they were just being stupid on set. This go around, it felt like it was manufactured. Um uh, like spur of the moment moments. And it just felt over processed to me. Also, um, they try to make them good people in the end. And I fucking hate that. I yeah. hate when they do that. In so movies. I don't think we want to, we don't describe in detail what the whole show is yeah. about, but the baseline of this is they kind of go to when they were kids <clears throat> yes, and, and when they were banished from, from living in the town and they go to the woods and that's where they discover that they're witches and do you did you I did yeah. and I would tell you that's that's one reason why I love this one so much better than the when last they're one. kids they go in and they meet and the witch and it's played by yeah, it's played by Rebecca from, yeah, uh, from uh, Ted Lasso what's her Birmingham Birmingham bing 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 the royal Birmingham Ted Lasso <laughs> what's her name um, Hannah Wil Hannah Hannah Willard. Waddington Waddington Waddingham Hannah Hannah Waddingham Waddingham she so is mother she, witch she you put her in anything and I love her so she she was in this she was great she's it's, beautiful she was in those are some yeah. perky breasts she was in something else I watched that I didn't expect to see her in she didn't she played a very dramatic role my dreams last night um, she's she's fantastic I love there. everything she did. so anyway yes um, so they they meet the witch and so that's that just kind of show you how they became witches. But the whole thing of this is like, you know, if a, if a virgin on her 16th birthday lights a black candle, then the sisters well, come back for the a night. a virgin in general. So like the first movie, the guy is in high school oh, and it. he lights it. He's a virgin. I don't know how old he is, but you, you just have to be a virgin. Doesn't matter what it, how old you are. Um, this go around, uh, this lady or this girl is given a candle uh, by the guy who runs the oh. now... You know what it is? It's on their 16th birthday. If you're gonna, if you're a witch, you start to see your powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what it was. Her 16th but birthday. Spoiler alert: She's gonna become a witch, which you could see that from the beginning. Listen, if you were gonna watch Hocus Pocus two, you've already watched it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like seriously, if you watched it the first week it was out, or you're never gonna watch yeah. it in your life. And I get the whole girl power thing that they do. They're like, you know, she's a witch, and her sisters are helping her to defeat the other witches. And it's like, what do they call the coven? It's the covenant of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Black Magic Candle. That was actually the original title. <laughs> I would wa like, I'd watch what, that movie. You know what would be better if we just called it Hocus Pocus 2? <laughs> why, why, why was Bill Cosby an executive producer on this? 
<laughs> you sounded oh. like Jello Pudding Pop. Do you want to open oh. up that can of worms? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a plan. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so that's what it. And then the, 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 the so the candles lit. They come back, yes. and and so they're there until the sun rises. But here's they my, decide. Here's one thing, really, what I want to point out because they come in, and the first one there's a couple of musical points, and then in this one there's a couple of musical points. Either be a musical or don't be a musical. It's like, don't give me one or two music scenes. Like, I feel like when they come out and they start singing and dancing, I feel like this movie would have worked best if it was just a straight-up musical the whole time. See, I think that's the charm of it, is because they wanted it to be a musical, but nobody else wants it to be. And that's why the guy even has the line where he's like, did they sing? You know, they like to sing. <laughs> and that was funny. Did you watch Veep when it was on HBO? No. Oh, my God. There go are so that. many Veep actors in this that I'm pretty sure... Julia Louis Dreyfus on the set of Veep was like, "Y'all better make Hocus Pocus too, or I'm gonna be pissed." I just want to say that those people who are probably in Veep are probably in every other show in the history of the world. Tony Hale is one of yes. the most love him. used character actors out there, and the guy who plays the guy who owns the store. Oh, yeah, he's also in Veep. Yeah, yeah. he's in everything. He's in uh, Ted Lasso. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the yeah. He's the one who wants to ruin te- uh, tennis. No, he, he wants, wants to ruin soccer. Yeah. Um. But Kathy and Jimmy also had a, a part in oh, okay. Veep, so I feel like she probably made friends on that set, and they're like, "Hey, you want to be in Hocus Pocus too?" Yeah. So the so they're there for the they and they get to have a night when the sun rises, they go away. But they figure if they can become all powerful, they can stay, and so they try to do everything, all the shenanigans to make this spell happen. But they have to use the blood of their enemy, and Tony Hale plays the mayor. And they want to kill him, even though he's the nicest guy in the world. And they want to take his blood because he's a descendant of the of the mayor of, of Salem mayor. back in 1653. Yeah, that kicked, kicked them out of the town. Um, but yeah, it's it's so that's the gist of it. Yeah, um, there is a scene early on in the movie that made me roll my eyes and almost made me turn off the movie. Which this the stupid Walgreens scene. It's like, how much money did you pay Walgreens? How much did you pay? Do you know because when I do you know when I decided the first time I was watching it to turn it off? Walgreens is when they left Walgreens and they were writing a Swiffer oh. and two Roombai or however you say the plural of rumba Roomba is. That is a takeoff from the first film. They come out and uh uh Winifred and uh Sarah come out on brooms and there's no brooms left in the broom closet. So uh, the Kathleen and Jimmy, I forget her name comes out on a vacuum cleaner. So this was kind of, and that's what I mean by this one. They tried to lean into the jokes that really were fun in the first one. But you know, when she was writing those little floor sweepers, she yelled cowabunga. Yeah. How does she know that word? Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You're trying too hard. It's almost like they said, give me a bunch of slang words and things that the kids identify with these days and we'll throw it in but yeah she yelled cowabunga and do you know what somebody would say to me right now who was an avid fan of both movies they would say you're overthinking it and i would say no you didn't think about it enough you're underthinking it sir but so that's the only part that really bothered me um i think was the the cowabunga (laughs) that was the only part listen i went into this realizing that i didn't like it the first time and i had zero expectations but what happens to me i don't know like did I have a good day? I must have had a good day on Sunday when I watched it. I think that it. means – I mean, that and, matters a lot and to I when was, you sit to watch a movie. Right. And I just enjoyed – The mood I, you're in. I just enjoyed it for, the, for what it was, for yeah. the fun kid yeah, show that I it was. I don't hate this movie. The things I didn't like about this movie are still the same things I don't like about the first movie. I hate children. <laughs> <laughs> 
the most annoying part of the first movie are the freaking kids, and the most annoying about this movie are the kids. I would rather just well, watch like teenagers in this one. Screw the teenagers! I mean, what, like you know, like the little little kids running around for Halloween. I would rather see. You know what? I would have preferred to see the grown ups come back and be like, "Holy shit, the witches are back!" Also, like it's nice to know that the witches age wherever it is that they go. Yeah, yeah, they, they age as if they were. They look living. a little old. They look a little older. Do you, do you want? Did you have a favorite part? Of the movie? Yeah. I mean, other than the end? <laughs> Do you remember the part? I think they're in, um, they're somewhere, oh, and I th- I think it might be when they were telling, it happened a couple of times, but I remember this, when Sarah Jessica Parker's character said something that Winifred didn't like, and she smacked her. <gasps> oh my God, I love that part. <laughs> she turned around and slapped her in the face. I died. Yeah, I was like, I wrote down. Um, every time Bette Midler slaps Sarah Jessica Parker, I laugh. One thing I liked about this one more so than the first one is they lean into the whole Three Stooges kind of thing. Yeah. And she's a lot more slappy with them, which I like. You know, so the, the the Jimmy Witch. Yes. Um, who has that weird lip thing. Did you notice that it changes <laughs> the side of the face it's on depending on how old she is? I didn't. The little kid's got to go one way and she's got to go on the other. I mean, it's a hard thing to keep up for an entire yeah. movie. Yeah. But I mean, it's it is what it is. It was Disney Plus. It itched that scratch that the the kids wanted back then. So the gay stuff. Oh yes. The, the, so the so did stuff. you notice when they were looking for the mayor and they were walking around looking at houses that they they looked at a at yes a house they looked in a, a window couple. and there's a gay couple watching a horror movie. Yes, I did notice that. And that 100 percent justifies Check. us talking about it. As if we needed more gay. Then they go to the festival. Yes. And. Uh, and I've heard this happen. This has actually happened to a celebrity before, right? Wasn't it Dolly Parton? She went somewhere and there was a Dolly Parton oh lookalike contest, like a there, drag show. There's and she several. Entered it. The, yeah, there's several. I feel like Adele did this bit where she entered that, an yeah. Adele uh, lookalike contest. Dolly Parton entered a uh, Dolly Parton lookalike contest and came in like third or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's happened a couple of times, I think, um, either actually or anecdotally. In a story. Yeah, so the Sanderson sisters are at a fair, and yeah. there's a there's like a Sanderson sister lookalike contest. Yeah, and there's and- a stage manager, and he's like, "Oh, you here for the contest?" And uh, he says something which I think is less about the movie and more about Bette Midler. He says, um, "Do you want to go on stage?" And she says, "Oh, do I?" <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she enjoys the stage. Yeah. And so on that stage with her um, is uh, dressed as as um, I almost said Elphaba. <laughs> <laughs> dressed as um sanders winnie winifred winifred yes is, is our orlando's own ginger minge yes um uh, which we featured on the cover uh of watermark last year on our halloween edition probably um, because of this movie because of this movie we did an interview with her which is why we her. waited a whole year to talk about it on the podcast i think if we had a podcast a year ago <laughs> we probably would have talked about it but probably. it is our first halloween we've this is our first halloween month of, of wine, why not? Yeah. Um, so it's pumpkin spice wine and pumpkin spice wine not. <laughs> <laughs> In the next week's episode, we'll talk about the pumpkin spice latte. Ooh. We should just talk about all pumpkin food. We should eat we all should. kinds of pumpkin food. And just talk you about know what? It. Next next episode, I'm going to bring in some pumpkin stuff, and we're going to eat pumpkin stuff. Ooh, I'll make a pumpkin roll. Ooh, I will bring Because I know one thing is vodka. true. There is one thing true. Mm. Everyone loves to hear people eating on a podcast. <laughs> 
I am obsessed with pumpkin cheesecake. Wherever, I, if any grocery store or restaurant, they have any kind of pumpkin cheesecake, I'm there and I have like three pieces. I won't say their name because, you know, they have a reputation of being conservative, but there is a conservative chain store around us that makes these, like, uh, sells these pumpkin decadence bars. Yeah. You remember yeah. that? Mm. They, they, if they're conservative, I will not buy them. Or at least I will not tell you on air that I bought them. <laughs> anyway, so Hocus Pocus. Um, don't make me make any chicken sandwich. Anyway, no, so, they don't sell pumpkin. Oh, anything. then well, then I ain't going. They're all uh, Jesus flavored. <laughs> Jesus flavored pumpkin stuff is, I bet, delightful. Um, so they go on stage, and there's Ginger Minj, and there's a couple other drag queens. They're dressed as, um, as the Winifred sisters. There's a couple of groups, and then uh, they name the victors, and it's not the originals, and it's not the drag queens. It's those those chicks. Those ladies, they're all like, eh, like eh, Josie eh, and the pussy pussycat yeah, style. Like, get the fuck off stage. Yeah. <laughs> God, Ariana Grande won the contest. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, you have a high ponytail. Riveting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You look just like her. <laughs> so this is the scene where, much like the first movie, where most of the gays go crazy. This is the big music scene where the Sanderson sisters do the spell on the town folk, and instead of I put a spell on you from the first one. They do uh, one way or another. I'm going to get you. Get you, get you, get you, get you, get you. Um, so um, <laughs> it's so stupid. You, is, that the, is that the official name? I mean, that's how everybody's going to know the song. <laughs> I'm sure it's some off the wall. It's like, you know, Brandy song. And nobody knows what the fuck the name of the song is. It's got, I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you, get you. Wasn't that, one way or another. What was the Brandy's shit? What was the Brandy's TV show? Moesha. Moesha. I love that show. I have a friend that used to make, used to watch it. I used to have a friend who made fun of it because it was always like um, when the previews for it would come up, they were always like on a very poignant Moesha, <laughs> and then it was like, Moesha, is this yours, Daddy? That's a joint, Moesha. Is this yours, Daddy? On a very poignant Moesha. <laughs> that made me laugh. Was it so her joint? I, I Don't leave me. I in didn't suspense. watch it. It was just that's the reenactment I got from my friend, and that's all I have. Um. So yes, they uh, they do their dance. Uh, movie. Let's fast forward to the end because we're getting there. Um, they end up in the woods. Uh, little girl has uh, witch powers, and her powers are amplified when she holds the hands of her lady friends. I almost described her powers because she said she had witch powers. Which ones? <laughs> Which it ones? was these ones. Um, and she <laughs> fights back, and uh, Winifred does this spell where she gets all the mat, like all the. Premium witch powers, like witch plus. Yes, <laughs> she, she no paid for the not no yeah, ads no, version, no commercials of witch plus premium plus. But it comes with a cost, and her two sisters fade into nothingness. It cost what matters most to her, yes. and her sisters and that matter was her most. Sisters. And the girls tried to warn her and tell her, yeah, they didn't get there in time. No, no. And then the book cried. And the book. Yeah, it did. it did cry. It also sweat. Did you notice that when it was on the shelf and it was trying to hide from her? Well, that and there was like a bead of sweat going down. That there? that book needs to work out a little more because uh, just the little bit of movement it did it made it sweat. Come on, <laughs> I say as I sweat my ass off. Um, you know what? What I did appreciate about the whole thing, like the the storyline, I liked the most was the was the boy the 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 boyfriend that wasn't really her boyfriend and oh, him yes. trying to clear his name Billy. the whole time. He's from the original yeah. movie. It's a different actor who plays him. I don't know why. And maybe the actor died. I don't know. Or, 
Maybe he didn't want to be part of it. Maybe he was after like, he saw the he first read the one. script and he's like, mm, I'll pass. But that whole that whole thing was cute. Yeah. So um, the movie ends with Winifred saying, "I will give up my powers. I want to bring my sisters back." And then they're like, "Oh, by the way, you d- they don't come back to you. You go to them." And she fades away. And instead of being the whole cackly witch from the first one, she's like, oh, my God, I'm a good person now. And you all are wonderful. Cherish your sisters, you beautiful children. And it fades away. And I was like, you lost your edge, bet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she may have it may have been because they weren't just children. They were witches. And she's like, I guess you'll be Hocus Pocus 3. Bye. Nothing is worse than children except for witch children. Those children. Those children. <laughs> um, but they have announced, apparently, they are working on a third movie. I don't know any of the details. I'm sure the witches will be back. And as they say, there will be hell to pay. So you know the the witches, right? There yes. was the main witch mm. whose birthday it was. I forgot the most important part. While I was re-watching Hocus Pocus 2, I was building my Hocus Pocus Lego house. And it is magnificent. I am in shock. At how much that set costs, we had to go. So is we had to run a couple bankers. errands for 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 work, and while we were at Target getting yes. some supplies, Jeremy I... disappeared for a minute. Okay, just for those who are looking to get into the Lego game, if you don't want to order off Lego.com or you can't get to a Lego store, there are two businesses that really sell the top of the line best Lego, and that is Barnes and Noble and that is Target. And you made a mistake of taking me to a Target. And I had to check out. I had to check out their collection. I, I am not had. going to tell people how much this thing costs. I will. I'm just going to tell you that it it is about one quarter of the cost of a cruise. It was over two hundred dollars. I will say that. Yeah. For this hocus pocus Lego house, which and I'm I in a got... cruise with a balcony. I'm talking a good <laughs> seven day cruise with a balcony. Listen. I recently ended a debt consol- entered a debt consolidation program, and this is my last hoorah before I I'm allowed to buy I hope nothing. they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> They're going to kick you out of their program. Uh, you know what? If they hear this, just let me send you a photo of this house first. It is magnificent. It is beautiful. It has a, it has a, like a fire pit that works, and the fi- the 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 magic coming out of the, the 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 chimney. It's just it's a beautiful set. And I have no regrets buying it. Have you figured out who's gay in real life? Is it the owner of the 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 museum? The guy who runs the museum? Is he gay? <clears throat> no. Oh, that's the that's the guy from from Veep. He he maybe I don't know. Um, but you know the witches, the the young witches, the girls. So there's the main witch, and then there's her friends. Oh, of the kids. Of the kids. Oh, one of the kids is gay. So the girl Cassie. Who is the one who's like who's leaving the group? She's too oh, cool the one and who popular. Wants to hang out with the popular. Who has kid? the the jock boyfriend? Yeah, he's gay. The jock is gay. Yeah. His name is Froy Gutierrez. He is in. Did, did you ever hear or see a show on Hulu called Cruel Cruel Summer? Sounds familiar. It's this really interesting show that I started. He was watching. in Teen Wolf. Oh, was he? Yeah. He um. He was a, he played the boyfriend in this show, but the this cruel summer thing is about it's a show that takes place in like three different time frames. Um, but the premise is this girl goes missing, and while she's missing, this other girl kind of takes over her life, and there's there's a trial involved because the one girl says the girl that got kidnapped says that the other girl saw her, and didn't help her, 
Like, she didn't have anything to do with the kidnapping. She just saw her and didn't help her get out of it because she wanted her life. And that's kind of the premise of this whole show. It's fascinating. Um, but, yeah, anyway, I just – I don't know. I He looked familiar when I saw the movie, so I looked him up. Yeah. And I didn't – just to see what else he was in that I saw, and it was that Cruel Summer show. And then I just – and so I just ran. Because of this podcast, I want to be able to say, like, who's gay, who's yeah, not? Yeah. So I just said, is he gay? And then, boom, there's a picture of him kissing his boyfriend. Yeah, I'm looking here. He came out in August. He just came out two months ago uh, in an Instagram post with his older boyfriend, Zane Phillips. Oh, I congratulations. Say older. He's four years older. Um, Zane is 29, and uh, uh, Freud is um, um, 25. However, do you know what? I, if he's gay, I'm gay, I would date him, but only for one reason. Do you know what it would be? Is I would put banana peels around our apartment until he finally fell. And I would run up to him, I'd be like, Freudian slip. <laughs> and then I'd run away. <laughs> and then I'd break up with him the next day. I don't think, <laughs> I think two things are true. I think if if you did that, he would break up with you. And the second thing, if you were ever dating him, you would not break up with him. <laughs> Probably not. He's adorable. But He's adorable. Um, I've never heard the name Freud, and I would want to watch him fall. Do you know that's not, you where my joke. brain goes? My brain goes like Freud, Freudo Baggins is where my brain went every time. Uh, see, every so time many I hear jokes. It. So listen. So if you're out there and your listen, name is Freud. Hit me up. Let's let's go out on a date. I Listen, won't bring bananas with me. Don't go grocery shopping with him. <laughs> it won't end well. Um, real quick, Rotten Tomatoes. For the first, the second one? Second one. Critics hate this fucking movie. They hated the first one. I'm going to say critics gave it a 65, and I'm going to say audiences because they'll watch anything gave it an 85. Um, you were dead on critics, 65. Oh, all right. Audience, 48. <gasps> really? Yeah. They hated it more than critics? It looks like it. Mm. I don't know. Now, I may be responsible for a thousand of those reviews. <laughs> and it may be that I thought I was reviewing the first one. Did, did you look up? The, what's, the, what's the Rotten Tomatoes for the first one? Um, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm gonna, because oh, I'm going to guess. It. I didn't look it up, so I'm going to yeah. guess. Go ahead. You, you guess this one. Yeah. I'm going to guess that it was a 73 critics. Oh, no. And an 89 viewer. I'm going to say just because it's old and it has this cult status, I'm going to say critics said 40, 40. I'm going to say a flat 40. I'm going to say audiences because it has time to build. I'm going to say audiences gave it a 90. 44 critics. 71 audience. I thought audience would be higher giving it uh, it's had time to ferment well those critics were dead on you're gonna have to buy that bottle dinner when this is over <laughs> i'm gonna show this bottle a real good time when we get home <laughs> oh god that sounded way where, dirtier than i meant it to <laughs> the microphones are on even if they weren't i'm in the room i'd like to rephrase <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be gentle and kind to this bottle. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. I don't think that's better. What? It is. I'm All being right. romantic. 
<laughs> anyway, we had another movie. We, we did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. So we decided, um, in addition to Hocus Pocus 2, that we were going to watch what is, I believe, considered the gayest horror movie, non-horror movie, wait, yeah. non-gay horror movie that's the gayest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the gayest slasher film um, with the original Scream King, which... Is a phrase I learned in researching this movie because I just called him the gay scream queen. Well, that that's I think he was the first male scream queen, is yeah. what I saw. Yeah, but they called him a lot of articles I read um, called him a scream king. And because of that, I don't feel so bad about one of the notes I made. Oh, good, good, because I um, let's just say there was a lot of screaming in this movie. <clears throat> oh, and yeah, and there is one particular infamous scream in this. There's like a scream, and then somebody runs upstairs, and you would think that they're going to run upstairs, and it's gonna room is going to be full of teenage girls, Mm-mm. and it wasn't. It was this dude. Nope. No teenage girls, just one Mark Patton. Very <laughs> high-pitched screaming if, Mark Patton. If you haven't guessed yet, the movie we're talking about is A Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Um, so uh, let me set the scene for you. It's 1985. Actually, it's probably closer to 1986. Um, this movie had been in theaters. It was the sequel. Obviously, that's why there's a two in the title. It's the sequel to a huge hit, Nightmare on Elm Street from mm. Wes Craven. Johnny Depp. Oh, Johnny Depp in a crop top? Mm. That was the birth of my homosexuality. If I was if not gay before 1984. episode one, you would know that's true. Yeah. So um, when I was a kid, I was living in Colorado. My parents uh, were on a bowling league, and they went out. It was a Saturday night. They went to their bowling league. My aunt was watching us. She was a teenager at the time. Um, and there was it was us and the kids. And we had um, we were always the kind of the 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 um, bougie family on the block. So we had cable in the 80s before anybody else did. And we had HBO. So we were going through the printed version of the TV guide. And Aunt Lori was like, tonight on HBO, they are premiering. Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And before that, they're running the original Nightmare on Elm Street. So she decided, <laughs> I was seven at the time, and she, or seven or eight, and she's like, we're going to wa- pop, pop, pop some popcorn, and we're going to watch those movies. And this was my introduction to the first scary movie I've ever seen. Scared the hell out of me. I had nightmares for uh, Freddy Krueger for years, and I am obsessed now. He is now my favorite monster movie. I watch them all the time, year-round. For some reason, they're all on um, HBO Max or Max now, but there's always one. They always take one off. So it's like, you watch the whole thing except for one. So like for a while, part three wasn't on there. For a while, part four wasn't on there. Now part six isn't on there. I don't know why. Anyway, so this was my introduction. Absolutely loved these movies uh, growing up. Um, Scared the hell out of me. Um, Yeah, I I found them frightening. My my introduction. My introduction to horror movies was Jason Voorhees mm. and Kevin Bacon. And when the Johnny Depp of <laughs> 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 Um I just remember you know that scene in the first one when he jumps out of the lake yeah. and grabs him in the boat. Oh yeah. Right when that was gonna happen, my uncle came up from behind us and grabbed our feet and like yelled and oh. we were screaming. I slept in the hallway that night. I couldn't That and don't quote me on this because I don't this show isn't about facts, but I believe that was the first jump scare, like at the end of the of a horror movie, the first jump scare, and that kind of set the precedence precedence of all these slasher films having a jump scare at the very end. 
Do you know what we can do when we don't know facts? We can just say allegedly, and it makes everything true. Oh, okay. Do you know who birthed that? That you know who birthed that? Um, you know who birthed that? Um, Kathy Griffin during her comedy specials because she would say shit about celebrities all the time, and she would say allegedly because mm-hmm. it put her in the clear. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, that's not true. All right, I said allegedly." <laughs> um, so Nightmare on this, Elm Street two, this movie. Yes, I, I want to know what you thought. I want I mean, people can go. It's it's old. It's an old movie, so yeah. we don't have to tell people what like what the whole thing is about. Yeah, except to say, like, go watch it. Sure, yeah. enjoy it. I love the eighties. I grew up in the eighties, so watching it for that factor was great. The hair, the the clothes, the costumes, um, Grady, the, the boombox where he plays and starts. Oh, is that his friend? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Johnny Depp of episode of, 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 season, of Freddy's season, Revenge. Freddy's Revenge. Um, yeah. He was he was he was a good looking. <clears throat> so anyway, um the um but the, when he was playing the boombox and dancing around and like his the phones and all that kind of stuff, that yeah. was very interesting. And like then I it was I was laughing at one point because the love interest, the girl that's this Lisa, rich yes. this rich neighbor, she's out swimming in her pool and the mom comes over um, to tell her, hey, you know, so and so's on the phone for you, and she's like, okay, she got to get out, dry off, and go back. And I thought, what? Well, can you just call her on her cell phone? <laughs> I didn't have them. She so, went to the kitchen, so grabbed I, the rotary phone. I enjoyed that part of yeah. it. Now I think we did this for movies out loud a few years back. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I had seen it back then, and I didn't realize just how plainly awful it is. <laughs> it is not a great movie. Um, it is definitely, if you're someone who likes really bad, cheesy horror movies, particularly from the 80s and 90s, this is right up your alley. Now, was this well-received? Do you know if this was oh, well-received no. when it came out? Absolutely not. In fact, uh, the first one came out, it was a huge hit. It was like one of the biggest independent films ever. So um, the guy who was the producer at New Line, uh, this because New Line Cinemas, who went on to make the Lord of the Rings movies, and they made all these huge movies, um, is for years was referred to as the house that Freddie built because this, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, except for the second one, for the most part were huge hits that it gave New Line Cinema the financing to be able to make other movies. So they call it the house that Freddie built. And the first one was a huge hit. The third and fourth were the two biggest of the whole series. The second one, people are like, what the fuck is this? This is terrible. Uh, it was so hated that they had to go to the the back to the drawing board of the idea of what they had of freddie and re uh yeah. re, redo the entire thought of freddie and that's how you got kind of the wisecracking uh, yeah, pop culture i freddie read Krueger. an i read an article about it and why people <clears throat> thought it was like it, it was a bad idea to do it this way i i disagree with that and then we can get into that later i'll just say you know my entire view of this film is summed up in the very first scene the bus scene. Yeah, where where every everyone on that bus was an asshole who deserved to die. I just like the those those two girls. They're just like they're teased hair, and they're just and they keep looking back. So so this kid, he's they're new to town. They move into the house where the yeah. the house Jesse, of Freddie's. They death move in. Nancy from the first right. one. They move out. Jesse and his family move in. So he's new, and yeah. he gets on the bus, and he's riding the bus. He's and looking the, all sweaty and rough. And these two girls are like. Nee. 
And they yeah. keep looking nasty. at him. They're like, oh my god, look at him. <laughs> mean girls, nasty, just mean ma- girls. nasty little mean girls. And then and then the bus driver passes her stop, and she's like, bus driver, that's yeah. my stop. And you know what his response is? He speeds up, and he goes over a curb, and he goes into this weird desert that just pops out of nowhere. And uh, he's they're freaking out, and they're like, what are we? What's going on? And then. The ground falls off around them, and they're on, like, this mountain peak, and the bus is teetering on it, and there's flames and lava, (laughs) and they're like, what the fuck is happening? And Freddy Krueger is the bus driver. I honestly, for how cheesy or how terrible this movie is, this is the best opening of all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I love this opening. Well, I mean, the way you just described it was way cooler than watching it. <laughs> and um, But the bus driver was Freddy Krueger yes. before, uh, the actor who plays Freddy Krueger. Yeah, Robert England. Yeah, Robert England was the bus driver. Yeah, and then he in turns a into weird Fred. kind of, kind of one of those beard-mustache combos we talked about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like that right off the bat was like, ugh. I just wrote down things that just didn't make sense to me. Throw them at me. All right. I've got answers. <laughs> okay, so, well, this is, this makes sense to me, but didn't you think the girlfriend looked like Meryl Streep? Oh, my God, yes. I had to look it up. I was convinced I'm they were related. Sure I, they have to be. I didn't find it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they have to. It has there to. is nothing on the internet that says these two were related. However, in my mind, until the day I die, they are linked. They both need to do Ancestry.com. I demand it. I want to see the results. Right. They were, it was too, they're too close. They're at least second cousins. But it can't be her daughter. Oh, Because she's no. way too young. No. They would like, have been around the same age yeah, back then. Yeah. Kind of. It's got to be her half sister. <gasps> Who's Meryl Streep's father and where was he in 1985? <laughs> did, you, did you catch the name of the cereal that the kid was eating in the first scene? Fu Manchu? Yes. Fu Manchu's C-H-E-W-S. And I thought that's from Flash Gordon. Oh, is it? Yeah. And it's also there's a um I believe there's a Fu Manchu uh villain in the com in Marvel Complex in Iron Man. I think one of his villains or the Fu Manchu is called Fu Oh, Manchu. okay. I was just thinking that the eighties movies were being racist. Yeah, but he's got because he's got long fingernails in the Flash Gordon movie, um, that you get the fingernails in the cereal box. And it was sort of a nod to Freddy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go okay. I thought that they were just doing that because they didn't use they didn't say the f word, but they did say queer. Yes, yeah, the that, queer bar. That and that's the thing. This movie and the director, the writer, the producer, all of them, when this movie came out up until recently, have all said, "No, there is no homoeroticism. We didn't make this do you movie know what with the, homoeroticism." Do you know what the writer said back then? Like, if it, he's a, if it has gay overtones, it's the actor's fault. Yeah. They blamed the gay actor. I don't know if you've seen it. I have it, and I'll let you watch it. Um, it's called Screen Queen, My Nightmare in Elm Street. It's a documentary that came out a few years ago that Mark Patton, uh, who is the Scream King in this one, who plays Jesse, put out the documentary um, about the backlash that he he experienced after this movie being a closeted gay actor where everyone, the director, the writer, people involved with this movie, except for Robert England. Basically blamed him for the homoeroticism of the movie. They said, oh, it's because it turned out Mark was gay. He made it gay. No, you're he, the director. You're the writer. You you wrote a damn scene in a gay S&M bar. Right. Yeah. They're like, just assholes. Yeah. And then they finally said it wasn't. Yeah. That it wasn't him. And they're like, oh, so sorry. I thought that it was wasn't the really 80s. cool. Um, I did think it was. It was so, <laughs> Throw him under the bus. <laughs> so, so there's a scene. I mean, so this is this this actor didn't direct this. So there's mm-hmm. a scene where where um 
this actor pulls the main actor's shorts down. He's wearing a jock strap, so his ass is hanging out. So with his pants at his knees, the mm-hmm. jock strap on, they start wrestling. Yeah. And then That's not gay, that's bromance. And then and then and then the PE teacher comes by and, Schneider. Sa- and yells, Assume the position. Yeah. To this guy whose ass is hanging out. Mm-hmm. And they're blaming that poor act that poor kid for yeah. it. Please. Yeah. They um so they, you know, there there there's the whole and that's one of the main reasons that like Freddy enthusiasts don't like this movie is because it doesn't follow the standard lore of Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy is supposed to penetrate your dreams <laughs> and kill you in your dreams. But this movie is like Freddy's vicariously killing people through Jesse. And it doesn't follow the standard Nightmare on Elm Street lore. So that was a lot of the pushback people right, had but with this movie. My, my, my thought process here is that Freddy was trying, Freddy killed people in real life. Yes. Killed a bunch of children in real life. Yes. He got off on a technicality. He sure so did. So the townspeople took him to his place of work and torched him. I like to call it Frankensteining him. <laughs> yeah. They, and they torched him. Yes. So then he came back in dreams and tried to kill people in their dreams. Yes. And he was defeated. Yes. So maybe Freddy said, what I need to do is come to the real world through somebody else and kill more people that way because I couldn't do it in their dreams. I got defeated, so I'm going to try this way. So he tried something new. Yeah. What's the big deal? I like to think, right? based on that theory, I like to think Freddie walks into his fire apartment after Nancy had defeated him. He hangs his hat on the cap, hat rack. He pops open a beer using one of his little fingernails, and he plops down on his lazy boy, and he's like, what do I have to do to kill these fucking kids? <laughs> And he's like, I have a plan. And he tried it out. He, yeah. He's like, I'm going to get inside Jesse, giggity, and I'm going to make him kill other people. And uh, it didn't work out. It didn't Are you work sure out. it didn't work out? Didn't it? Okay, so what? Because what the what the was the ending all about? Okay, so it's the weirdest fucking ending. So, um, one of the best, my favorite scenes in all slasher films is the pool scene. When he's going around, and I have this seared into my brain as a child watching this with my aunt of Freddy Krueger like spreading his arms, and he's like, You are all my children now. Had so many nightmares about <laughs> that. Um, so the dad comes out and he's like, I know how you kill a demon in your dreams a shotgun. So he like shoots at Freddy. Freddy's like, I'm out, dude. But see, I feel like it wasn't like this at this point. It wasn't a dream. Well, that's what I don't. That's the whole thing. It's because he had made his way into the real world. Yeah, through Jesse. Through Jesse. Yeah, and they revisit this in a later movie where Freddy can come in and uh, attack people who aren't dreaming because he's um go he's vicariously coming through a body of a baby in the womb. It's a whole long story. You need to check the whole series out. But the baby, when it's sleeping in the womb, he's able to come out and kill these other people because he the he's inside the baby. So it's kind of the same thing with Jesse, where when Jesse is in his hibernation, I guess he can come out and he kills people in real life. But um, so well, the, he act he literally takes over Jesse's body. Yeah. Like it's no longer Jesse. Uh, it looks like he, Freddy, and Jesse's inside. When he kills, when yeah, he when he kills mouth. Grady. Oh God, and he's like. He leans up against and he opens his mouth and the eyeballs there. He's like, he's inside me. Now, I met Mark Patton at Spooky Empire a few years ago. And uh, he signed an autograph for me. 
and he signed it, Jeremy, he's inside me. Mark Patton. And I have that hanging on my wall, and it's fantastic. <laughs> That's funny. I w- did you get to talk to him? Did you ask him any questions? Oh, we, there were me you and like- Danny uh, went there, and we chatted with him for like 45 minutes because they had they were having a, a Nightmare on Elm Street reunion. So they had like Robert England was there, and Heather Langenkamp was there from the first one, who was Nancy. And there were people at their table. He was sitting at the table by himself. At that moment, there was nobody up there. So Danny was like, we should go say hi to him. He's the, he's the only one without people at his table, and he's a lonely gay. So we went up there, and we sat and chatted with him for like 45 minutes. We talked about his time on um, on the movie, and he was in the process of making the documentary at the time. So we talked about the documentary. We took photos together. He signed autographs. I bought his book. Um, yeah, we had a really good time. We're friends on Facebook now. Which is not like, you know. Did you ask him about this, his friend in the movie? About Grady? No, I Googled and Grady doesn't look that hot anymore. No. Well, I mean. The 80s and 90s have been rough Do any Grady. of us look like we looked in, in the 80s? Um, God, I wish I looked like I did in the 80s. I There's a photo of me. We're on a family trip. And it's me and my brothers and my sister. And we're heading up to Kentucky to see my mom's side of the, or my dad's side of the family. And we're stopped at a park and we're at a tree. And I've got this thing. I've got like my heel turned out and I look really gay. And I've got, it's the 80s. So I have short shorts on and a crop top. And I have the most amazing seven-year-old abs. I have abs and I'm like, I'm so skinny. I was like, why didn't I stick with that? (laughs) I looked good. Like I I was a fun kid who ran around and I was like, I could have kept that body up. Well, um, I don't, that, that story makes me uncomfortable. I don't wanna, it's I'm fine. Like, They're you my know what, abs. You know what the name of this show won't be? Seven-year-old abs. <laughs> anyway, I was a hot seven-year-old, and I should have stuck with it. I forget what your question was. <laughs> I, I just was wondering, you know, if he thought his friend was hot. That's all. I don't need all that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good-looking guy. shorts. Good Lord. Who yeah. wears short shorts? Grady. Grady. Grady wears them. Good job, Grady. So here's the scene that I found the most great. First of all, the guy that plays his father, which yeah. I assume is a stepfather because he was such a dick. He's so mean. He's so mean. See, and then, like, okay, there's a scene where the the house is, like, constantly, because that's Freddy's shtick, right? He's burned. He's, yeah. Everything's hot. So everything's hot. In so they've got these two birds. Oh, my God, the birds. Bird the birds are in the cage. <laughs> and then this, the cage starts shaking and going crazy. The birds come flying out of there. And they're attacking, and they're attacking people. And then the bird explodes. So this guy who's trying to look for a rational explanation for what his entire family just witnessed, first of all, blames the mother and the cheap bird seeds that she buys yeah. as to what caused this. And then he says, no, no, you did it, you little shit. You put a cherry bomb in that bird. Mm-hmm. When would he have lit it? Yeah. I'm sure they don't, like, he didn't light it and come back in an hour the and father, like, oh, it's going to blow up now. I don't know who's the who's worth it. It's funny because in this movie, when Freddy Krueger is supposed to be the villain, the worst person in this movie is either his father or his coach, but it's not Freddy Krueger. Yeah, those two guys are assholes. So I don't, I don't even understand that he constantly was like, "This guy's doing something wrong." Yeah, it was just, and it was annoying. And then the other thing that bothered, I get it, it's an S and M bar, sure. Yeah, but why is like every gay bar scene from the eighties full of anger and madness? <laughs> just and then, okay, people? let me ask you a question: You go into a gay bar, even if you're angry. And you see a guy there. Is your instinct to grab him and take him to school and make him run laps? 
What the hell was that? <laughs> right. He fe- he finds him at the S and M bar and he grabs him. He's like, "Come with me." And you're like, "Oh shit, things about to happen." And he takes him to the school and makes him run laps in the ja- the the gymnasium. I'm like, "What the hell?" And then he gets arrested. Or like everything happens, and then like in real life, he's just walking around naked. The cops bring him home, and you know what his dad says? The cops bring him home naked. He says, "Answer one question for me. Two questions, and we can go to bed." What do you want? And then there's like, and how much of it did you take or something like that? Yeah. Or, or what do you want and where did you get it? I'm like, gosh, what a weirdo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, that scene, that's the infamous scene where um, Freddie comes out of, of Jesse and he assaults the coach and he takes his towel off and he straps him up with jump jump ropes and he's whipping him with towels and then he stabs him and kills him. And then the steam settles down and Jesse lifts his hand and he's got Freddy's claw on. And that is the infamous Jesse scream that has been talked about for years um, because it's it's like Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween scream. (laughs) It's like top tier scream queen. Um, He screams and it's magnificent. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you is because I know you're an animal person. um, What did you think of the dogs at the end? (laughs) Oh my god! What the? I looked at Jen. I was like, "What the? What the fuck, fuck is this?" Sorry, I know people don't want us to cuss, but seriously, look at those things. Why? Yeah. Why? It, Where did the, it even come from? The whole ending makes no sense. So after the pool scene, uh, Freddie leaves, and Lisa's instinct is oh uh, oh earlier in the movie they go to a factory where that's where they had torched freddie so she goes back there because she's like that's where jesse must be going and she comes upon these two dogs which look like the bodies of i guess dobermans uh but they have weird human-like faces they're like baby faces caitlin is looking at them right now i can tell by her face they have these weird baby man faces on dog bodies they're just so creepy it's so creepy and she and she goes Okay, and just yeah. walks right by him. She's like, this is a place I no, want to hang out That in. is a sign that you should just go home. I'm sorry, and I love Mark Patton, but fuck Jesse. <laughs> you turn around, you get back in your car, and you go home. But she pushes forward, and she confronts Freddy, and you're, I, at least I don't know about you, but I'm ready for this big final confrontation. And love <laughs> saves Jesse. She's like, Freddy's like, I'm going to gut you. And she's like, she makes out with him. I love you, Freddy. And she puts her tongue in his mouth. And Freddy's like, no, what is this lady tongue? And then he melts away and Jesse's inside of him, which is different than the, earlier in the movie when Freddy was inside him. So I guess they're yeah, they, versatile. They, they, well, you know, it's, a, it's, it's your classic flip flop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So first Freddy's inside Jace, uh, Jesse and Jesse's like my turn. And uh, he's inside Freddy. And then he melts away. And it's he's the, like, they're, they're very, they're, they're very nice and considerate of each other's yeah. feelings. Yeah. That's a good relationship. Yeah. Should, fuck Lisa. He should have stayed with Freddie. <laughs> anyway, so she kisses him. It melts away. And in Nightmare on Elm Street, classic fashion, you have one final jump scare at the end. Um, and where we all started, back onto the bus. So now he's like, he's all better. Yeah. Like he's, he's weirdly, his arms are in bandages. 
Yeah. They don't really explain what that's it's all like, about. We went through a lot of shit. So they just put his arms in bandages to say, hey, this guy's been to a hospital of some kind, and he's yeah. out of this hospital. Something happened to Jesse, and but we don't yeah, know. And he's going back to school. So he yep. gets on the bus, and they're all hanging out. Yeah, it's and, him and Lisa and their friend behind them. And the bus starts going fast, and yeah. he's like, bus driver, slow down. He's like, oh, no, it's happening again. And then they're like, ah, just oh, kidding. Somebody's getting on, on the, the bus. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, I thought something was going to happen. And then, boom, boom, it takes off, Freddy's flies into the weird desert again. Bust through the chest. Oh, that's right. Yeah, bust through the chest of the friend, which is the worst the worst editing I've ever seen because she's like, what's wrong, guys? And then she, like, shifts a quarter of an inch to the right, and Freddie's hand, gloved hand, comes through her chest. They scream, and then some 80s rock song starts up in the credits. Right, so... So did did he make it? He lives in the world now, and he kills people, and that's how it ends. Here's the thing, and the the first one, I don't know if you've seen the you've seen the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I just don't remember him. Um, so it ends with Nancy defeating Freddy, and the producer told Wes Craven, "No, no, no, we need some one last scare because of Friday the Thirteenth." He goes, "Look at Friday the Thirteenth. It was a huge hit. They had one last. I need you to put one last jump scare." So they film it. Where she comes out and it's like beautiful and sunny and hazy. And uh, her friends who had all died in the movie are all in the car. Johnny Depp's driving. And she's like, oh, my God. Her mother comes out who had died in the movie. And uh, she's an alcoholic. And uh, she looks at the bright sun and she goes, it's such a bright day. You know what, baby? I don't think I'm going to drink anymore. (laughs) She's like, that's awesome, Mom. It's so cheesy. And then she gets in the car and they're in a convertible. And the top flops down, and it's Freddie's colors, the color of his sweater. And she's like, what's going on? And she's like, Mom, help us. And her mom's waving and smiling. And the car takes off on its own. And the little girls in the white dress are playing jump rope, singing Freddie coming for you. And then Freddie's glove comes through the door and pulls the mother through the tiny little window, which is obviously a blow-up doll. <laughs> Cut to credit. So Fred, it, the Nightmare on Elm Street has these, this uh, history of having these – cheesy jump scares at the end of each movie that has nothing to do with the next movie that comes out. So that's what the bus scene was. Right. The glove pops through. And uh, yeah, so it's considered the first gay slasher, even though a lot of people involved with the film don't acknowledge that it is a gay slasher. It is very gay. Um, one of the things I love about this movie is as time goes on, people involved with the movie do interviews and some people are like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And some people are like, yeah, uh, Robert England, who uh, has played Freddy uh, the entire time of Nightmare on Elm Street, gave an interview a few years ago to The Advocate, and they talked about it. And he was like, the scene where um, Jesse's dreaming and Freddy comes, meets him at the bottom of the stairs, and he's like sliding his knives down his, his face and he's playing with his lip. He said before that scene, he asked the director, he goes, "Can I want to play the scene as if I want to kiss Jesse. And he's like, yeah, yeah, do it if you want. So he played that scene like he want, not like he wanted to kill Jesse, but like he wanted to be with him. And he's like taking his one of his knife fingers, like rubbing it, flipping his, flicking his lip with it, and he's like getting real close for him. And Robert England said, I played that as if not that Freddie wanted to kill him, but that Freddie wanted to have sex with him, and that he wanted to be with him. And that's uh, so. I guess it's Robert England's fault that this is very homoerotic. Um, but he was a, a stage actor before he got the role of Freddy. And when he moved to New York between shows, he would sleep on the couch of his friends. He had a bunch of gay friends. And he said, I would sleep. My gay friends were the only ones who offered me 
a place to stay. So he would crash on their couches and hung out with gay people in New York and absolutely loves the gays. He's a huge supporter of the community. Um, and apparently when he was making Freddy 2, he's like, you know what? I'm going to make one for the gays. It's too bad that he's too busy to talk to us about that. I know. I know. Well, I mean, he is, what, in his 70s, 80s? So, you know... And there's a strike going on. I guess he's not doing interviews, but he's far too busy. Yeah. I will say um, the the guy who was the lead, you said you, you really Mark liked Patton, him. Mark Patton, yeah. I read this thing about him, and I kind of admire this uh, a bit, is that he, he, he got a couple of roles here and there. Yeah. But when he was offered a role in a TV show where he was going to play a gay character, but they said you're going to play a gay character, but when people ask you about it, you're going to tell them you're straight. And he said that... He just kind of looked at his life, and he was losing a ton of friends to to AIDS. Yeah. And he said, no, I'm going to leave the business because it's not what I want to do. Yeah. And so he left it for years and years and years, and it wasn't until recently-ish that he started acting again. Yeah, he's done a couple of show, uh, a couple of movies, um, horror-focused stuff. Yeah, he's got um, a couple coming out still. Yeah, he, does, um, he goes to conventions all the time. He's at Spooky Empire all the time. Um, he currently – he lives in Mexico with his husband um, – and he is does he, a, oh, is he okay? Is he still in the hospital? As far as I know, he's still good. He is HIV positive. He's had some health issues, but he um like in January there was a big deal this year where he yeah. was posting that he need he started to go fund me. Yeah. So um as far as I know, he's still doing okay. Um but yeah, he's um he's a big advocate for the community now and uh um I mean, you know, He's one of the few faces that I look at before I go to bed because he's actually I have a wall of like, you know, art that I bought through different conventions I've been to and magazine covers of uh, like like magazines that I really like. Like I have one of when marriage equality um, became a thing with the, the Bert and Ernie one. Oh, yeah. So I got like a whole wall of just, you know, art arts and stuff. And I've got his autograph on there. So I see his face every time I go to bed. And uh, he's uh, he's just done a lot of work with the community since then. Um, he was yeah he, in... he the money that he gets from the conventions he donates to yeah. LGBTQ um, yeah he's organizations. A, he's a really amazing guy. If um if you ever get a chance to go to one of the conventions and see him, um, he's a super nice guy. He's super involved in the community. Um, before he got ri- got acting in the eighties, he uh, he was in a um, comeback to the Five and Dime. Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. I've seen that with Cher. Uh, with Cher, uh, and he's in that. And apparently, I don't know if he was out at the time, but Cher recognized that he was one of the gays, and she like latched onto him and protected him. I, I was reading an article. Oh, wow. where she protected him during that um, that show, and basically just. Um, took her, took him under her wing, and just took care of him, um, as Cher does with all the case. She takes care of us. Yeah. What do you think, Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, Rot- I mean, <laughs> it's terrible. I movie. will tell you that they are both in the double digits. <laughs> well, I mean, ten is a double digit. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say again because older movies, people are allowed to go in and put um, fresh reviews. Over the years, so this movie has aged well. I feel like people have really, uh, really understood what it is. So I'm going to say, critics, fifty-five, and audiences, sixty-eight. Critics, I will just say it didn't fare as well as Hocus Pocus two. Uh, critics, forty-two. Okay. Audience, thirty-three. Aw, audiences, come on! I understand critics suck, but come on. Yeah, it I mean, has it's, endearing it's, it, things. It is. Uh, I mean, with both of these shows, they they both um, 
have their value. Yeah. You know, and, you know, one's, one's like super campy, kind of childish fun. And the other is like this great homage to 80s slasher films that's interesting to, to watch. I yeah. mean, it is it is some terrible Terrible acting. It is, it is, it is not a good terrible, movie. terrible graphic. It is definitely the lightning. A, it is a money grab from the first one. That Absolutely. scene when he's like hooking up with that girl and the tongue comes oh, out. Oh, the tongue! Like, it's, just, it, it's not even. It's just clearly like somebody's got a, like a tongue on a stick. Yeah. and pushing it out there. And so, but this is um like for fans of Mike Meyer, Michael Myers and the Halloween franchise. Um, Freddy Two is along the lines. Of doesn't fit it's it's different than all the yeah. rest of the movies and it doesn't fit but it has its place it's okay to be different as the gay yeah and i think that's good it has its place as the gay slasher and yeah. i love that for it all right i love it for them good 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 um but that this was one of our halloween issues we've got a few more october uh episodes left so maybe we'll talk about some more scary stuff definitely not american horror story get right with god ryan murphy get right with god <laughs> And 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 the actors, um, but until then, uh, the cork is back in the bottle. <laughs>